uh, our speaker this morning. That was just the warm-up. I told you it was going to be challenging this morning. Are you okay? You just turn to the person next to you and go, um, I'm okay. It's nice. Okay, good. Um, okay. Our speaker this morning uh, is, is a dear friend, uh, Pete Portal, with his wife, Sarah, lead um, uh, a wonderful community. You're going to hear about it. They've moved into uh, one of the most challenging uh, areas of South Africa on the Cape Flats there. Uh, last time I went to visit them, uh, it's, it's a community called Manenberg. And I, uh, immigration, the, the lovely lady looked at me and said, where are you staying? And I said, uh, I'm staying in, in Manenberg. And she looked at me, she shook her head. She said, no, darling, no. No, you're not going to Manenberg. I said, no, I am. And she said, you don't want to go there. You don't know what it's like. I said, no, I do. I, it's, it's, you know, it's, not the, it's a little messed up. She said, why would you go to Manenberg? And I just smiled and said, I've heard Jesus is there. And, and she threw back her head and laughed, said, okay, and then stamped my, my passport so it's official. And um, uh, Pete and Sarah... Uh, with, with a number of others, um, have a community there in Manenberg called uh, Tree of Life, which is part of the, the, the boilerum network of, of communities around the world we, we love being part of. And uh, part of the enrichment of that is these chances to, uh, to connect. When I asked Pete to come and speak on this subject today, I had no idea how relevant it was going to be, and you'll find out in the talk. It was a very tough thing to ask someone to speak about, probably the toughest in this series. We're doing a series looking at 10 tough talks, and we're deliberately focusing on some of the really difficult things that Jesus says to us, because too often in the church, we just get together and quote nice sorts of Instagram passages to each other. And, uh, and, and if Jesus was standing here physically, would we, uh, would we recognize some of the things he says? And so uh, we've looked at his call to pray and fast. We've looked at his call to obedience. It's a very, very uncool concept in our culture. It's called discipleship. And I said to Pete, would you come and speak about Christ's call to die, to pick up our crosses and to sacrifice our lives in order to follow him? And we had no idea just how relevant that was going to be. So would you please put your hands together and welcome Pete Portal. Okay, thanks guys. <laughs> if you've got a Bible, let's open it. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, when it says he, by the way, it means he and she. It's just a silly translation, I'm sorry. When Jesus, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Thanks be to God. So my name's Pete. Really happy to be here. I'm from um, London originally, um, but have been in Cape Town for the last almost eight years. Um, it was a funny story. I didn't want to go there. It was a bit of a hijack by God. Um, in 2007, I was a student at Edinburgh University. And a friend of mine said, will you come on a short-term mission trip to South Africa? And I said, no. 
And he said, why not? And I said, I have no interest in South Africa. He said, no, we're going to go work with gangsters in prisons and tell them about Jesus. And I said, no. Uh, I was working in kids' TV. We were happy, gunging parents and assembling giant pogo sticks. And it was what I wanted to do with my life. And he said, well, will you pray about it? So I prayed about it. And then all I got was a letter through from the NHS with the date for my shoulder operation. I'd had multiple dislocations from old soccer injuries. So I said, this is the answer. I prayed, and I got this letter through. The date is smack bang in the middle of the proposed six-week trip. This is God's answer. He said, no, give him a call. I don't accept that. I gave the shoulder consultant secretary a call, and I said, hi there. Um, I'm phoning to change my operation date that you kindly sent through to me. She said, well, you can't do that. It's a nine-month waiting list. I said, I know. Hear me out. I want to go on a trip. She said, okay, what sort of trip? I said, a Christian mission trip. She said, I'm a Christian. Where are you going to go? I said, South Africa. She goes, I'm from South Africa. Whereabouts in South Africa? I said, a town called Paul. She goes, I'm from Paul. Of course you must go. When do you want the date changed to? <laughs> and I thought, oh, shoot, now I've got to go. Um, so, you know, God calls us in different ways, right? Um, so for the last... Um, seven and a half years, um, I've been walking the streets of a community called Manenberg. Manenberg shouldn't exist. Manenberg is the, how to put this, it's the result of a rape. Um, the racist apartheid regime in the 60s and 70s threw out people of color who were living in the city center into matchbox, house, matchbox housing in uh, communities 30 kilometers out of town. They split up families and um, bulldozed entire neighborhoods. The collective trauma of that was such that gangs and drugs and criminal activity are a currently huge pandemic in Manenberg. Um, there are a lot of gangs, just to name a few, the Hard Livings, the Americans, the DMX, the Stupa Boys, the Ghettos, the DA, which is a dangerous Ameri the, the, the Dixie Americans, the F the World Kids, the, hey, what other, what other ones? Clever Kids, yeah, the Jesters, the Junkie Funky Kids, there are a couple, you know, so there, there are some gangs there. Um, the Hard Livings are the um, largest gang in Cape Town, in Manenberg. Uh, Duane used to be sort of vaguely affiliated with them, sort of a franchise seller of various substances. Uh, he's gone from hard living to holy living. He's five years clean off heroin, and he's one of my mentors. He's amazing. Um, that's Duane. Just stand up and give a little wave. Um, and sitting next to him is Lee, who's also part of our Tree of Life Church community in Manenberg. Lee has uh, 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 valiantly... Uh, recently quit her job and is about to start working for Tree of Life to pioneer a girls' house intervention for abused young teenage girls. Lee, stand up. All right. It's fun traveling with two of my heroes. Um, Jesus called us to die, right? And here's the thing. What have Jesus and Satan got in common? They both want us dead. <laughs> it's funny but true. Satan will happily kill us, and he'll either use heroin, crystal meth, and a, or a bullet through the brain, or he'll use comfort and passivity and kind of five out of ten existence, nine to five prisons, all of that sort of thing. Jesus and Satan both want us dead. Jesus wants to kill the sin in us. Satan wants to kill the life in us. Get it? Deny yourself 
Take up your cross and follow Jesus. So I didn't want to be on top of a ladder that I never wanted to climb in London. I was working for CBBC. I moved out to Manenberg in 2009. In 2010, uh, um, I sent an email out to people saying, guys, I really want to buy a house in Manenberg and move into the center of hard living territory, but I need 20,000 pounds. Who's up for it? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the only tactic I had was basically a blanket spam email. And um, within three and a half weeks, the house was 200,000 rand at the time. Within three and a half weeks, 208,200 rand had come in. 200,000 rand for the house, 8,000 rand for the attorney's fees, the transfer costs. And 200 rand, which at the time was about 20 pounds, over. And I was like, oh, this must be a mistake. Why would God get it wrong and all of this? Fluctuating exchange rate, bank charges, all the rest of it. And 1st of May 2010, Dwayne and I, new happy homeowners, moved into, um, into this house. He had assured me he was clean off heroin. I believed him. Didn't last long. Um, <laughs> But we moved in, turned on the, uh, the lights, and nothing happened because all the copper wiring had been stripped uh, by uh, crystal meth addicts who then melt it down and sell, the, uh, sell it for scrap and then use it for their next fix. So a friend of mine came in about an hour later and said, give me 200 bucks and I'll wire this for you, no problem. 208,200 rand, three and a half weeks later, fluctuating exchange rate, bank charges, and no electricity. Sorted. When God calls you, he makes it very clear. <laughs> and he made it really clear because he knew how many times I'd want to leave. So Manenberg shouldn't exist. And drug-related crime has risen 600% in the last 10 years. Cape Town is the ninth most dangerous city in homicides per 100,000 people in the world. Cape Town is the most segregated city in the most economically unequal country on earth. It's heaven on earth. The Telegraph has recently rated it number one to go to and all the rest of it, but it's hell on earth for the, for the majority, actually. The prosperity gospel. Jeremiah 29, verse 7, he says, Seek the prosperity, the shalom. The nothing broken, nothing missing. Seek the shalom and the prosperity of the city. For in its prosperity, you will also have prosperity. Here's a quote I like. Two-thirds of the world population lives in poverty or hover close to it. Yet only 6% of Christians live amongst them and become them. If the good news were a marketable product like Coke or Pepsi, a 6% reach to two-thirds of the world means someone in marketing would be fired. like the men carrying the paralytic man in Mark 2, couldn't get in through the door. The system wasn't working for them. They decided to climb on the roof and take the roof off. From my point of view, middle class, tertiary educated British guy, I didn't want to be within a system that I didn't want to be on the top of or working in. I wanted to take the roof off and do something different. God called me clearly. That's what we're doing. And it was the best decision I've ever made. Thank God. So as I say, Manenberg's described as many things, a dumping ground, uh, a ghetto, a gang breeding ground, a hopeless back end of Cape Town. We prefer to call it home. People say, why would you move into Manenberg? And um, Pete nailed it. I think if Jesus lived in Cape Town today, he would probably live in Manenberg. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
That's what we hear about Manavo quite a lot. So Tree of Life, our little church, we've grown to uh, not quite 700 yet. Uh, we have, we, last count was 42 adults, which is exciting. We have Muslims, we have the sexually abused, we have addicts, we have those in gangs, we have those leaving gangs. We have noisy, beautiful kids, we have a couple of Christians, and we have some of the kindest, most passionate people I've ever met. And we're currently about to multiply. We've got 40 people, that's enough. We're going to multiply into three different living rooms. Um, Dwayne's mother's got a lovely shack uh, at the back of her house. It's currently being used for smoking heroin. We're going to use that as one of the Tree of Life church plants and two others. And we're just really trying to live an Acts 2 life. A family on mission together, seeking the shalom of the community. So what that looks like for my wife, Sarah, and I, who's in uh, Cape Town at the moment, um, you'll see her just now on the screen, is that we, um, her mother died in 2011 and uh, left us some money. And we heard God say, um, if you give me everything you've got, I'll give you everything you need to renovate a house and turn it into a home and a habitation for my spirit. So we found a house owned by Mustafa and Ishmael, two sweet Muslim brothers, um, and it was perfect, and it was exactly all that we had. And um, Dwayne and I knocked down the, the, the Muslim prayer room in the front house, and we knocked down the shacks at the back where everyone was smoking crystal meth. We're currently building a 24-7 prayer room um, on, on that land in our home. Um, and we figure that the, the DNA of the land is zeal and prayer. Um, and someone gave us a word, will you be more addicted to the presence of God than the addicts you live with are to heroin? And my goodness, they're addicted to heroin. On Friday night, uh, Romano, who I met before Duane, the first guy I ever met in Manenberg, seven and a half years ago, broke into the supervisor's room uh, uh, the, the, the night we left, stole a substantial amount of things, including all the house keys and the gate buzzer, and threatened to come back and nick uh, the cars. He also dragged Waden, who you just met, down with him, and he relapsed. He's very addicted, and we bailed him out of prison two weeks ago. Will we be more addicted to the presence of Jesus than a heroin addict is to their drug? Because if we're not, if we have nothing better to offer someone, than that high, then actually we have no right to share the gospel with them. I cannot say to someone, leave that gang if I've got nothing else better for them. So we are cultivating a brotherhood. We're living as a family on mission together. Sarah and I uh, describe it as reparenting, inner healing, and um, discovering who they were created to be. One of the young men who's, uh, who joined our house uh, last year is a guy called Marawan. Um, wonderful guy, powerful testimony, and had a huge effect on a lot of us. And we've, um, we've made a short video, a little nine-minute video, which I hope will explain to you some of the uh, reason of why we do what we do and what it means for an individual, in this case Marawan, to die completely to self, to deny completely all the things of his past, and to follow completely Jesus into unknown places. Could we uh, watch that and nice and loud, please?
one of the things that he taught me <clears throat> was that following Jesus was not about trying hard to be a better person. A polished Sunday appearance. He once preached at Tree of Life and half an hour before he preached, he pulled a knife on one of the other. Waden again, poor Waden. <laughs> pulled a knife on Waden. And he came to me minutes before he preached and he said, how can I preach? I just pulled a knife on someone. I said to him, dude, your testimony is one of grace and you're just leaning more and more into that grace. What the video doesn't show is that Leon, the guy he mugged six years ago, three weeks before he died, baptized Marawan. And so the story comes full circle of, of a healed up Christ follower getting mugged by three drug addicts on the street in 2010, prophesying over them. I've been mugged and I did not prophesy over them. Leon prophesied over Marawan. He forgave and quite literally forgot and ends up baptizing him three weeks before he dies. We need to die, people. If we had a big, smelly, steaming turd on the floor here, you can pour as much glitter on it as you want. You can try and polish it. You can put beautiful fairy lights around it. Stick flowers in it. A turd's a turd's a turd. If you've got two-week-old coffee, the milk's gone bad, you've got a fly swimming in it, it's cold and gross, so they've got a skin on top. You can put as many sugars as you want in that coffee. You can heat it up in the microwave, you can even take the fly out. But you need to get rid of that. We need to flush the turd, we need to throw out the old coffee, and we need to stop tricking ourselves that we can add more and more sugar to something that's gone frot. And this is the point. Marawan has a legacy because he died fully and totally to his old desires, the old cravings, the old life. He, the footage we didn't show because we, didn't, we, it was, we thought it might be a bit too hardcore was that he was sitting there, tears in his eyes, saying, I was afraid my family was going to call me a murtad, a traitor for following Jesus. And you saw the effect that he had on his mother. No one told him to go wash her feet. It was actually after a weekend at a um, friend's wine farm in Franschuk that he had been to a conference and he, someone had washed his feet. And he went and did the same for his Muslim mother who is on the brink of getting saved. And when we went to Joburg to identify his broken body, with both her hands on the glass, weeping over her son, she said, my son is safe in the arms of Jesus. His cousin has just come to faith. His Muslim auntie, Shaida, has said, every time I come to Tree of Life, I experience a peace that I've never experienced from going to mosque. There's something in this, and I'm fascinated to find out what it is that made Marawan change his life. This isn't about Marawan. In the, uh, in the service before, I told a story about William Carey, a, a missionary who in 1793 went to India with his wife and son. He got malaria very soon. His, his five-year-old son died of dysentery. His wife went crazy. He started translating the Bible into every different Indian dialect he could, Sanskrit, Tamil, 
Bengali, all the rest of them. A couple of years later, all these manuscripts, half finished, were burnt down in a fire. Everything he'd given his life to, his family gone crazy or died, his whole life mission up in flames. And what was the quote that he said when someone asked him about it? He said, if I've learned anything, I've learned to plod. Tweet that. I've learned to plod. And yet here's the thing. Because he learned to plod, he kept going in translating these manuscripts, and by the end of his life, had translated the Bible into 44 different languages and dialects. He was a social reformer. He successfully advocated against infanticide and the burning of widows. He started the 19th century missionary movement, Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, and the rest. He established a college that still today, two and a half thousand students are being educated in theology. And at nearing the end of his life, he said to a friend, you've been saying much about Dr. Carey and his work. We can talk about Marwan till the cows come home and his legacy. But he said, after I'm gone, please speak not of Dr. Carey, but rather of my wonderful savior. So my question to us today is, what is what you are living for worth dying for? William Carey could say, yes it is. Marwan could say, yes it is. Jesus bids us come die. The thing about the gospel, the nature of the gospel, is that it brings death to the giver and life to the receiver. If it was the same for Jesus, why would it be any different for us? And sometimes it feels like we couldn't run a piss up in a brewery. We're in a place with a gang and drug pandemic and we've got a house with seven beds and currently got one guy just about in the house. When people ask us, what is your success rate? (laughs) And I was sitting with Sarah one day and she said, she looked the person in the eye and she just said, 100%. I thought, oh, hang about. You know those sort of evangelistic testimonies we tell? (laughs) About thousands got saved, did they? (laughs) 100%? And she looked them in the eye and she said, 100% of the guys who have come to live with us have heard about Jesus and known that they were loved. It feels great to get schooled by your wife. And to end, um, I'm I'm, going to swear, please forgive me. There's a gang in Manenberg called the Fuck the World Kids. I really love that name. Because if we want to die to self, deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus, it may well be that we have quite a lot to lose. It may well be that actually being in the world and benefiting from the systems of the world, we've got a lot to lose. But Jesus is calling us to say, I want to be a fuck the world kid. I want to count everything as garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord. As I say, Marwan was my mentor in this. William Carey, one of countless people who got it. Do we get it? Is what we're living for worth dying for? I think the band might come up.
and as they do. If you... Let's just everyone stand. Everyone stand. And hopefully we can get some plinky plunky going on behind. And I'm just going to pray for us, if that's all right. So like we did at the beginning, why not close your eyes, hold out your hands, believing that God gives good gifts to his children, believing that prophetic words have been spoken about going. I mean, I've got my own prophetic word I'm holding on to, but what's yours? Holy Spirit, come. We believe that you are good. We believe that where two or three are gathered here, you are with us. We believe that you bidst us come die as we follow you. We believe in giving up our life, we find when we give what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose, we are no fool indeed. And Spirit, I just pray right now, just minister amongst the rows, amongst the seats. Convict unto righteousness, encourage, strengthen, and comfort. Kick out of the nest. Do whatever it is. It's, it's not about a comparison of callings. It's not about any of that. Rid yourself of any sense of that. It's about what is God asking you to do with your life so that at the end of days you can say, I lived my life doing something what I would die for. It was worth it. So Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill us. Come and speak to us in Jesus' name.